the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, today I pray that you cling to Jesus. I pray that you know him and all that he is. If you've never met him, I pray that you meet him today and you experience the change that he gives. But if you are his child, I pray that today you walk away committed to holding on to Jesus. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we have gathered with one simple goal in mind. Jesus, we lift you up. We want nothing seen, heard, or experienced in this place but Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, would you give us what we need that we don't have? Would you teach us? What we need to learn that we don't know, would you transform us more and more into your image? Here's the truth we understand and embody today, Lord. Everything we need is in you. So in these moments together, as we open your word, help us to rest in you. And use me, Lord, hide me behind you, uh, that the words I say and my thoughts might be pleasing to you. And Lord, there's someone here today that has taken steps toward you, but they're living in Jesus plus land. They believe in you intellectually, but they've not trusted in you completely. May they understand today that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Lord, I ask this. In your wonderful name, I say once more, Jesus. Amen. Now take your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Find something to write with, something to write on. And I want to talk to you about this simple premise today. The Jesus you want versus the Jesus you need. Let's just spend a moment in review. We started in Colossians 1 last week. This ancient city today in modern Turkey, I've driven by it. That's about all you can do. You can visit Ephesus from which the letter to Ephesians was written. You can visit Ephesus and see the most magnificent archaeological ruins in the world. Uh, But if you drive by Colossae, you see a field. (laughs) Some farmer is growing their crops on those ancient ruins that hopefully one day will be excavated. It's right near another well-known biblical city, and so Paul refers to this in his letter. It's the city of Laodicea. I read this morning as I'm reading through the Bible, as I'm in Revelation, I read the warning of Jesus to the church at Laodicea, a warning that probably the church today needs to hear. You're neither hot 
or cold. You're not really living for the Lord. You're just pushing through. So there were some threats that the Christians in Colossae were dealing with. The primary threat is that many of them did not believe that Jesus was enough. They believed he was good. He was a teacher, a prophet, like many other religions believe about Jesus today, but that he was not God, that he was not all they needed. And in fact, there was another threat. Many believed that there was some mysterious club, only a few could really get it. And that probably was aided and abetted by the religious people because we see in Judaism, those religious classes had developed Pharisees and Sadducees who seemed to think they were more special than the others who feared God. So perhaps in Christianity, that same thing had begun to take place even in the early church. And we see it today and we fight against it. We elevate stages so that we can see, but sometimes we put pastors and ministers of worship and missionaries on elevated stages and we think that we can't serve God like they serve God. And this is evidenced in the church because we see that so few, as I've already mentioned, even in our church, so few really get involved in what God is doing and in his work. So still today, people want Jesus plus, and it's a good time to remind us that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Many people don't understand this, and yet the key verses in Colossians 1 reflect that. Look again at verse 15 and 20 in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This verse, this passage, it sums it up, doesn't it? Everything is for Jesus. Say for Jesus. You were created for Jesus. All things were created for Jesus. He's not interested in being prominent. He's not interested in being the president. He wants to be preeminent because he is preeminent. And and this passage answers two of the biggest life questions. First, who am I? And second, Why am I here? Who am I and why am I here? Who am I? I am a valuable creation of Jesus because all things were created by him. You are a valuable creation of Jesus. But why are you here? You are here for the glory of Jesus because all things were created for him. That's the main idea of this whole four-chapter book called Colossians. Jesus is supreme and Jesus is sufficient. Let's say that together. Jesus is supreme and Jesus is sufficient. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. And this thought continues in chapter 2. Look at the central verses of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, who's him? 
For in him, who is him, church? For in him, the whole fullness, fullness, do you see that again? Same as chapter 1, of deity, there's no doubt, Jesus is God, dwells bodily. Now, that's significant this time of year because we think of the Jesus represented in the cradle, the manger. We think of the infant Jesus. And yet, I want you to understand, uh, the baby born in a manger did not just arrive on the scenes in the early pages of the gospel. What Paul is teaching here is that Jesus has always been. He's not God Jr. who just showed up in the New Testament. In the infant, the fullness of God dwelt. But notice verse 10. And you have been filled in him. Think of that word filled. You have been filled. I love the way the New Living translates this. It says, and you are complete in him. In Romanticism, we might say today, if we care about someone, that they complete us. And, and what is being said here is that everything you need is complete in Jesus. Now, this is the whole point of the message, but I, I need to say that again and again in this moment. Everything you need is complete in Jesus. In him who is the head of all rule and authority, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. One way the threats manifest themselves today is in the way that folks like you and me look at Jesus. Remember, when you look at Scripture, we don't read it through the lens that I believe the New Testament followers would read it because we read Scriptures too often as if God is saying something to those people, those who aren't there yet. And while there is a message for them, the message to them is simple. Jesus saves. The message in Scripture is to us. This is to Christ followers. Paul was writing to Christ followers who did not understand fully who Jesus was. So there's no doubt in my mind that as I gather on a Sunday morning, I'm speaking to some who profess to follow Jesus who have not yet fully understood who he is and what it means to be complete in Christ. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. 
may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. We don't truly view Jesus as enough. Maybe it's because we've not become mature disciples. I think if there's something a worldwide pandemic revealed is that we have failed at maturing disciples. And that's the goal. Remember verse 28 of chapter 1. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's my job as pastor, not to make you feel good, not to give you a motivational speech, but it's to help you be presented mature in Christ. If you're not maturing in Christ, you're not accomplishing the purpose for which he's allowed you still to live here. And he reminds us in the early verses of chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those that Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom we're hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge See it? Hear it? You have full understanding. You have treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. That's why it says in verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Walk in him, be built in him, be grounded in him, be established in him. It's all about him. He is our hope. He is our help. There's no mystery, no secret sauce to the Christian way. The Christian way, the Christian walk is Jesus. We're to be in him. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is sufficient. I ask you today, have you accepted that reality? You know how you know if you've accepted that? It's what you think you get from Christianity. Someone were to ask you, okay, I I see you're a a Christian. What What would I get if I became a Christian? If your answers are about health and wealth, about everything being okay, if your answers are about peace and prosperity, just well-meaning and doing in your life, then you've missed it. Because what you get when you follow Jesus is Jesus. And that's enough. And if you haven't understood that, then I would suggest today that maybe, maybe you are looking like the Colossians for Jesus plus. And in reality, instead of understanding that we were created by Christ, for Christ, in the image of God, we create Christ in our image. The Jesus we want. Maybe the Jesus we wish that was. We become like a character named Ricky Bobby, and this is not an endorsement. 
But in the movie Talladega Nights, when praying for a meal, Ricky Bobby, the race car driver, says, Dear Lord, baby Jesus, he's in question by those who were around the table. And don't you know that Jesus grew up? You don't have to pray to baby Jesus. And he says, I like the Christmas Jesus best. When you say grace, you can say grace to grown-up Jesus or bearded Jesus or teenager Jesus or whoever you want. So he proceeds to pray, dear eight-pound, six-ounce newborn infant Jesus. And when he finishes praying, his friend Cal also rather crudely says, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party. And I want a Jesus who parties. Now that sounds absurd and sacrilegious. But I think some of us are stuck on the Jesus we want instead of the Jesus who is. And at this time of year, it's particularly, it's, it's baby Jesus. We love baby Jesus because he's kind of harmless because he's helpless. Or really, though we might not admit it, we like Santa Christ. Because we want a Jesus who's joyful and generous. And yet that's not the Jesus of Scripture. They're false. False depictions of Jesus and false depictions of Jesus always deny reality and they deprive us of all that Jesus wants to give us. They deceive us. So that's why when you look back in Colossians, you see that Paul was addressing dangerous, false perceptions of Jesus. And if we, the church, don't understand who Jesus really is... <laughs> Then we, the church, have lost our way. If we, the church, have made it about buildings and budgets, if we make it about how we worship and, and what we wear, if we make it all about us and, and what makes us feel good, then wow, we missed it. That's not the Jesus who's preeminent in Scripture. Look at verse 8. See, one of the dangers, Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. What's, he's, what's he warning against? He, he's warning against philosophy or empty deceit or, or human tradition. He's, he's warning against rationalism. And I want you to know today that you don't need Dr. Jesus Ph.D. who questions what you know. And yet some of you, that's how you think of your faith. It's all about wisdom. If, if only I could learn a little more, if only I knew a little more, everything would be okay. And so you're creating Jesus in your image. Because Jesus must want me to be able to check off the knowledge box. Yes, he wants you to be a lifelong learner. Scripture teaches that. You should read. You should get in the Word. You should grow. But understand, ultimately, you will never solve spiritual problems with human solutions. So, 
When someone is discouraged or or perhaps feeling depressed, what's the first thing we do? The first thing we do is open God's word. And say, is there any help? Is there any hope from God's word? Have you taken these to Jesus? Like the old hymn says, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Is there a sin issue that needs to be confessed? And then when we've done all that, just like we would if we had a physical illness, it's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to someone. You may need to go to a doctor, but always start with Jesus. We see this in evangelical circles today in a different way. It's a theological pride that begins to look at others who may interpret some points of Scripture and secondary or what we would call tertiary issues as they're not as good as us. I'd never go to that church because of what they think about this. Or the false claim that I often hear from people through 30 years of ministry, whatever church they're a part of, it's just not deep enough for me. Let me tell you, I spent a lifetime around professing Christ followers. The problem is not what we know. I know you don't want to amen that, so let me say that again, and I'll amen it. The problem is not what we know. Amen. Most of us are educated beyond our obedience. It's not the truth we know that changes us. It's the truth we obey. More knowledge is not the answer. Philosophy, psychology, even the obsessive study of theology. Know what you believe. Understand the scriptures. But understand that knowledge is not the end all. But there's more. We don't need Jesus plus human wisdom. And we don't need Jesus plus human action. Look at verse 16. Paul says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What is he addressing? Well, first he addressed rationalism. Now he's addressing legalism. Those that thought, yeah, I like Jesus, but I guess I've got to follow all these rules for God to really like me. I can't touch these foods, or I can't drink these drinks, or I've got to go to these festivals in this way. And Paul was saying, you don't need Deputy Jesus policing what you do. You don't need Deputy Jesus policing what you do. Legalism teaches that your spiritual well-being is based on external behavior. But this is not right. In fact, that's what separates Christianity from every other world religion. Do you understand that? In Islam, if you follow the five pillows of Islam, you're going to be okay. In Buddhism, if you follow the noble eightfold path, you're going to be okay. In Hinduism, everything's a God, so everybody's okay. You can have some elements of the Catholic faith that says if you just go through the motions, if you go to mass, if if you confess, then you'll be okay. You can even find that in a Baptist church. If you go to Sunday school and, and you go to church and you put something in the offering plate and you have good attendance or if you walk down an aisle or pray a prayer, you're dipped or dunked. But Paul says don't get caught up in that. Some of those come along. They're outward expressions of the inner reality that we have. 
When I have Jesus, I'm going to pursue holiness. When I have Jesus, I'm going to obey his commands. I'm going to not forsake the assembling of myself together, for example. But those are outflows of what I have inwardly. Our faith is not based on what we do, but what he's done. Our only hope of righteousness is in him. Remember, we read this verse a moment ago, Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk Tampa, online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.